Welcome to McCullough Christian Center's broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.purposemcc.com. Uh, I want you to take your Bibles and just turn over to Matthew 6. And when you get there, um, you, can, you can stay there because that's the main scripture I'm going to be talking out of tonight. But I am going to use a lot of scripture tonight. Uh, but that will be the main one that I'll be referring to. Just some things that the Lord revealed to me out of that. I preach on Matthew 6. Uh, and it's verse 33 is what we're going to look at. I, I preached on that and taught on that uh, a multitude of times. And it's just one of those that I, I probably will for a lot of times because just like many of you, that scripture means a lot to me. And uh, God has used it in my life many, many times. That along with Luke 12 and verse uh, 30 and 31 says the same thing just says it in a little bit different way and so I just want to talk out of that tonight and if the Lord uh, is willing I can get on in uh, maybe to uh, a little more of uh, Luke 7 but I want to get there tonight and just want to talk about some things that the Lord showed me now everybody knows this scripture right uh, this scripture is uh, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added to you. What things? Well, he was talking about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, where you're going to live, how you're going to sustain yourself in your life. That's the things that he says he's referring to when he says these things. These things will be added to you, will be given to you. And then in Luke 12, uh, similar, but it says this, verse 30, For all the nations of the world seek after these things. Again, the things. What we eat, what we wear, what kind of car we're going to drive, uh, where we're going to get our tires, and where we're going to get our gas, and all of these things, these things says all the world all the nations that means all the families of the world and your father knows that somebody here needs to know that tonight you just need to know that your father knows and if daddy knows he's going to take care of it you serve a good father you don't serve a delinquent dad you don't serve a deadbeat dad. You serve a good father. And if your father knows, he is going to take care of you. Look at somebody and say, he'll take care of you. Now, he says this, instead, he said, don't seek these things, but instead, seek his kingdom. And again, those words, and all these things will be added to to you now I just want to break this down a minute and uh, like I said I got a, a lot of scripture but I'm not going to quote all this scripture not going to read all this scripture but I'll reference all this scripture uh, the word that I want to focus on is first everybody say first 
and we we can say what does this word first mean anybody want to tell me what the word first means it's real easy means first <laughs> make him first seek the kingdom first and, and, and you say well, well, well yeah I know it means first but uh, but what does the way I, I, I the Lord showed this to me what does it mean well, when he says, seek first the kingdom of God, he asked us something. Or you might say, he commanded us something to seek first the kingdom of God. And he believed it. Jesus believed it. Not only did he believe it, but his disciples, the early church, believed it. And I'm going to show you that uh, right here. He believed it, and his disciples believed it. In Acts 2, 44 and 45, it says, And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Watch this. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all of us as any had need. Acts 4, 34, 35. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as any had need. Now, when we see this right here, Jesus said, seek first. That means first of everything. That means first of my time. That means first of my uh, heart, mind, soul, me, who I am. And obviously, the first of our treasure. They believed it, see. We don't believe it like that. I, I don't know of anybody in this room that sold everything you had and come laid it at Pastor Cornelius' feet and said, here, now, if anybody needs something, you make sure they get it. I don't know anybody in here has done that. I hadn't done that, have you? I hadn't walked up to him and said, here's the keys to my house, here's the keys to my car, here's my bank book, here's my credit card, here's my checking account, here's my paycheck. Take it now and do everything with it, right? But now the early apostles, they believed it, see? They took Jesus at his word. When he said, seek first, they said, okay, he said first. That's everything, that's everything. I'm going to give him what I got. Why? Why did they believe that? Why did they, why did they were they so uh, radical as we say about that? Well, because 1 Peter 4, 7, 8 says, the end of all things is at hand. They believe that too. Do you believe that? Do you believe that the end of all things is at hand? Well, they did. And, and Peter did. And he said, therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers above all. Keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sin. So they believed it wholeheartedly because Jesus, Jesus made some radical, what we would call some radical statements, guys. And I'm going somewhere. But I'm laying down this little foundation and this little, uh, it's really not little, it's major. 
Because here is what Jesus said. In Matthew 4, he, he, he said this. Follow me. Look at that. And I'll make you fishers of men. Immediately, they didn't wait. They didn't say, well, let me call my mama. Let me see what, how I can. Let me check with my boss, see what the time is. No, it said immediately. Look what they did. They laid down their nets. That's how they made a living. That's how they made a living. That's like you, you just went and turned your tools in. They laid down their nets. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee with their father, mending their nets. And he called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father, and they followed him. And then Matthew 6, 19 says this, Don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth. This is Jesus talking. Where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Matthew 8, 19. And a scribe came up to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of his disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said, Follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. Matthew 13 44, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who on finding one pearl of great value, watch this, went and sold all he had and bought it. Are you getting this picture? of why these people was laying down everything, why they believed so much in just getting rid of everything and following Jesus. That's because Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is worth getting rid of everything for. The kingdom of heaven is worth laying down everything, giving up your nets. It's worth all that you have. The kingdom of heaven is worth more than anything else. It's more, worth more than a woman. It's worth more than a man. It's worth more than a job. It's worth, uh, worth more than a career. It's worth more than a hobby. It's, it's worth more than fame, fortune. It's worth more than anything. They believed that. The early disciples believed that. That's why they were doing these radical things because Jesus was radical. He said, sell everything, give everything, lay down it, follow, deny yourself. Wow, well, and Jesus said in Matthew 16, if anyone come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. 
For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world? But he loses his soul. Matthew 19, verse 20. Then the young man said to him, all these I have kept. What? All these. All the commandments. I'm a real religious man. I go to church every day. I pay my tithes. I do all the. I teach Sunday school. I'm a deacon. All of these things. I've done them. What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go sell all you have and give it to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Luke 9, and, and he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. For whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man? Luke 12, 33. Look at this. Sell all your possessions. Give it to the poor. Provide for yourself with money bags that do not grow old. With a treasure in the heavens that does not fail. Where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. Glory to God. And I, listen, I'm not going to go on. I think I've made my point. I did a word, I, I did a, a study the other day on just in the New Testament, and I did a brief study. It wasn't an in-depth study. I still need to study it some more and, and break it down some more. But what I did, Kay, was I, I looked in the New Testament where Jesus uh, made a challenge to give away everything and to leave everything and follow him well I, I found uh, at least 30 scriptures in 15 different passages where Jesus said that just, just like that I mean it didn't take me 5 minutes pastor to find that and see that is opposite of what we in the United States of America especially uh, believe Huh? We're all about getting. Now listen, there's nothing wrong with receiving. Uh, Sunday, Sunday morning and Sunday night, man, I was receiving. I was receiving everything God was pouring out from heaven. And that's not the kind of receiving uh, that Jesus is talking about. He wants you to receive all of him. But we get caught up on receiving what, uh, what, it, what those things are. Remember? He said, those things, don't seek after those things. Those things, the things, the accoutrements, the things that you carry, the things that you can possess, the things that will burn up one day. Glory to God. They're going to be gone. All of it is going to be gone. He kept saying, man, don't seek that. Don't seek it. Don't seek it. Don't run after that. Don't run your life trying to get something that's going to rust that the moths are going to come eat up. But build you a treasure. Make your deposit in heaven. Glory to God. Something eternal, not something temporal. Jesus was making these statements. I challenge you to look at it. Now you go and you find everywhere Jesus said, run after money. No, you won't find it. What you will find is Jesus saying the love of money can be the root of all evil. 
You'll find Jesus say, it's either mammon or God. Choose the one you're going to run after. Because one is death. The other is life. Watch, mm, I, I, I'm getting ahead of myself. So if we will do in Matthew 6, 33, if we will, we, we got to understand now, okay? Uh, pastor was teaching and he was saying uh, last week that there are, there, are, there are promises in the word of God. Remember, I remember you, see, I was paying attention, Pastor. And he was talking about the, the one who stands behind the promises. In other words, the one whose name is on the currency that makes it good. And if God's name's on it, if it's, if it's Genesis 14, 22, Jehovah Jireh, then you can believe on it. Now, if it's my name, if it's your name, if it's Trump's name, if, if it's K.I.V.'s name, uh, you, you might just take that water up and throw it over there. But if it's Jehovah Jireh, Honey, you can take you. It's better than the bank. It's better than the cattle on a thousand hills. It's better than anything. It's better. And he he was preaching that last week, and he said though that there's some promises in the Word of God, which most of them are. They they have a conditional. They're conditional. You know, if you go out and take a loan, uh, you you got a certain time to pay it back. You know, that's the condition. That's the terms of the contract. So I would, I would say, based on that definition, that Matthew 6 and Luke 7, where it says, Seek first the kingdom of God, and then all these things will be added unto you. It, that the condition is seeking him first. Come on. Oh, come on, seeking him first. And our definition of first and his definition of first have got to come together. His definition of first is all those scriptures I just said. Deny yourself, forsake all you have, give to the poor. Come on, somebody. That's his definition. That's not mine. That's Jesus' definition. I mean, he put, he, he, he put a stipulation on that. And his righteousness. And that's where I'm going to get to in just a minute. But now, let me get back in Matthew 6, 33, at Luke 7. Because if we will then seek him first and his righteousness and, and, and put our trust in him, then he said, you, you won't have to worry. He'd already said that. He said, you don't have to worry about that. Just seek first kingdom of God and so if you'll do that you will you will have peace you'll have a good night's sleep even though you don't know what tomorrow holds you don't know where your next loaf of bread's coming from you'll you'll have peace and here's a word that that we just need to get to understand you will have contentment Right? Huh? Your friends got an Escalade and you got a 79 Bronco. But it's got gas in it. It's paid for. It's got good tires on it. The oil don't leak and you're running up and down the road doing everything you need to know. If you're content, you'd be happy. I wouldn't mind having a 79 Bronco. I don't. But, uh, 
But if you're not content now, you're going to be looking over at that escalade. Saying, and you're going, to be, you're going to be whining to God. God, how come I can't have that? How come I, I, come, I can't have that? Am I being real? You can have peace and you can have contentment with what God gives you. You can be like Elijah by the, by the river brook and you're drinking water out of that brook and a raven is coming to feed you and you can be content. You, you can go to a widow woman's house and eat uh, a, a cake out of oil and flour for 30 or 40 days and you ain't saying, I wish I had a pork chop. Well, you ain't gonna say that if you're Jewish anyway. <laughs> Come on, somebody. <laughs> I wish I had a lamb chop. I wish I had me a good steak. No. I wish I could go to the gather and get me a good steak over there. I went over there the other night. It's awesome. Pastor took us over there. It's great. No, you won't be doing that. You'll be content. And our problem is we're never content with what God has given us. But you can be. So number one, you can be content. And the second thing is it'll give you courage. It'll give you courage because you, got, you know who's behind you. It'll give you courage to, to make a step. You know, I, I talked the other week about climbing a mountain and, and, and being at the foot of the hill. It'll, it'll give you courage to make your first step up that hill because you're not worried about it. You won't be thinking in your mind, well, when I get halfway up, I'm going to be broke. When I get halfway up, uh, there ain't no place to stay up there. I don't know what lies out ahead of me. So I, I'm fearful. But no, if you, if you put him first and his righteousness, you'll have peace, you'll have contentment, and you'll have courage. You'll have boldness. You'll step up and say, I can do this. You'll be Joshua. You'll be Caleb. Well, you can say, that's my mountain. Moses said I could have it by the command of God and I'm going to get it. I might be 80 years old but I'm well able to take it and I'll destroy, I'll kill any giant that's on there because the spirit of God's inside me. That's courage. That's no, that knows, you know who's underwriting you, who's signing the check, whose name is on the currency. You can have that. And here's another thing. You can, you, can, you can have peace, you can be content, you can have courage because the results will be eternally good even if they're temporarily difficult. You didn't hear what I said. Because the results will be eternally good even if if you had temporary difficulties. I, oh my, I, I'm not going to get way off in here, but I can't, I tell you, that's one reason this word is so profound in my heart and in my spirit because several years ago, it's 10, 12 years ago now, riding down the road, I was, uh, Debbie and I were bivocational pastors. We, we served as pastors at World Outreach Center, but I worked a full-time job. So we did everything, you know. 
And you know what I found out, Kay? I, I, I found out if you do it as unto the Lord, you can get it done. And I did find out that uh, uh, I wasn't drawing a salary from the church, getting all my living from my job. But I did the same thing uh, ministry-wise when I was on the secular job and when I went full-time hiring on staff and the church was paying me, I did the same thing. You serve because it's your calling. You live because it's your purpose. You do it because that's your divine destiny, not because somebody's giving you something, not because you got a title, not because you got a name, not because you're getting your name. You don't do that. So that's a whole other story. I was riding to work one morning, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and spoke this scripture. He said, son, you remember I gave you that scripture a long time ago for you because I've been through a lot of things, you know, uh, a lot of faith walks and stuff. I said, yes, sir, and you've always, you've always honored your word. And I was just beginning to praise the Lord and give God thanks for that and, and, and give him glory and felt his presence just kept increasing. You know what I mean? You feel the presence of God. You begin to just keep on pushing in in worship and in praise and in thanksgiving. I ain't asking him for nothing. I ain't seeking anything. I'm just saying you good God. Glory to your name. You're the most wonderful God, the most high God. You're the everlasting from the everlasting. You're the prince of peace, of mighty God. Without you, oh Lord, there would be nothing and I worship you and I praise you and his presence filled that place like a smoke in that car. And he said, you're gonna have to depend on that scripture again I said whoa woke me up out of, my, out of my glory he said because son you're fixing to go through some difficult times and he said but I am faithful and just like I kept you before I'll keep you now your, your difficult times will be temporary but I got you I got you and listen, listen what he says. I was, uh, I, I was with Pastor Frankie the other morning. Just went and had a cup of coffee, with him, and we got to talk about family and stuff like that. And, and he began to share some things with me. And I won't tell you what he said because it, it was a little personal. But um, I had already had these scriptures in my mind, and he started sharing them with me. You'll have it because Jesus made some promises. What, is those, what will you have? You'll have peace. You'll have contentment. You'll have courage. And here's the promises that Jesus made. Matthew 19, 28 and 29, Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, in the new world, where the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me. Can anybody raise my, their hand if, they, if you're one of the you? Because he said, you who have followed me. Come on, raise your hand if you're one of the you. Glory to God. We'll also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left, watch this, everyone who has left houses, our brothers, our sisters, our father, our mother, our children, our land, for my name's sake, will receive, watch this, a hundredfold. And we'll inherit eternal life. 
may be temporarily difficult here, but the reward is great eternally. Mark 10, 29, 31 says, Jesus said, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left his house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or land for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold. Now, watch Mark uh, emphasizes this a little bit better. Now, in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecution and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. And then Luke 18, uh, 29, he says, And he said to them, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come eternal life now why can you have peace why can you have comfort why can you have courage because Jesus made a promise huh he's the eternal son of God he has the same characters and the traits of God and in, 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 in Moses talked about him he said God does not lie he's not like the son of men he does not lie. He does not change his mind. He said there is not even a shadow of turning in him. And Jesus will keep his word. He'll keep his word. That's his word. That's his word. What he says, he backs up. What he says, he does. So you can have courage. You can have boldness. You can, you can seek God. But listen. I might be able to get to where I want to get. Glory to God. Remember. If I'm not seeking him first. And his kingdom. And his righteousness. I'm not keeping the conditions. Of this promise. Is that right? Uh -uh, I'm not. Now, he's faithful. And he's going he's gonna to do what he says he'll do. But if I don't, as Pastor said it last week, he taught it last week, if I don't keep it, if I don't keep the conditions, then I'm missing out because it's my fault. It's sitting there. He's waiting on me. So if I'm not, if I'm not seeking him first, and if I'm walking in the flesh, not in the spirit, I might make a step and fall flat on my face. Now, I might be uh, seeking him first, and I might be keeping his uh, commands and righteousness and his kingdom and take a step and fall flat on my face too. But I'd rather fall flat on my face for Jesus than I would fall flat on my face for my flesh. Come on, somebody. But if, you, if, you're, if you're following, now, this is what I want to get to. Seek him first. We covered that. And seek his righteousness. Now that word righteousness simply means this. And I want to give you two little small definitions of that. There's several. You can go in depth on those. But I want to give you two. 
And uh, the first one is, what is deemed right by the Lord? What is deemed right by the Lord? The second one is, what is approved in his eyes? In other words, he sees it and he says, that's right. I approve, I stamp it with my approval. That's what righteousness means. Now, I want to talk about what God put on my heart about what righteousness is. Now, there's a lot of things that you can say about righteousness, but if you keep this definition, what is deemed right by the Lord and what is approved in his eyes, keep that in your mind. I want to, I want to talk, I want to focus in on that right there. I want to focus that. See, because, you know, another, another definition is uh, the kingdom. That's, that's, that's the way God works, right? I heard this great I heard John Bevere saying today, he said, the, the problem that we have here in, in America is that we uh, are so used to living in a democracy, we try to put God inside the context of a democracy, but when you go to another nation that uh, maybe is a monarchy or has not been long in a monarchy, they, they can understand and receive the principles of God because God is not elected. We didn't choose him. He's the sovereign God. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the mighty God. And, and so if we don't like something in our country, we just elect somebody else, right? That's going to change the laws and do it the way we want it to do, right? Ain't that way in God's. And so our problem is that we look at the kingdom of God and say, and we write through, it's a democracy. It's not. We don't vote. We don't elect. We don't choose. We don't politic. Now, a lot of people do that inside the house of God, but that's not God's way, and that's not God's plan. God is sovereign. God raises a man up and brings another man down. That's what God does. He does it his way, and we don't like that. Why? Because we've, we've got pride issues. We've got control issues. We want to have our say. Well, the children of Israel had the same problem. They all wind up bones in the desert because they wanted their own way. I don't like manna. Give me meat. Well, you get it. Come on, somebody. So if we're going to understand the kingdom of God, we got to know the word of God. We got to know God's ways and God's principle and how God operates. All right? And so I, I'm just looking here, and I'm looking in... in uh, Matthew, excuse me, in Luke chapter number 6. And Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount. We all learned this in Sunday school. If you went to Sunday school, I always skipped it because I was a heathen. I had to learn it later on. But we all learned those Beatitudes, right? Blessed, 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 blessed. Then in verse 24, and I won't spend a lot of time on this because I want to get to something else. Uh, in verse 24, uh, Jesus 
said, bless, 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 bless. Rejoice. Your reward. He's blessed. Then he said, but woe. Everybody say, woe. Woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laughs now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. Now there's some things, there's, there's several different things and several different groups and several different reasons that Jesus is saying this. He's also speaking to us as well. It's not just to one group, not just to one person. There was some specific people who were sitting there listening to this teaching that that cut them to the core. But it can also cut us to the core today. That's the word of God. It, it will get to you. Now, I want to I I go to the next few verses. Because if we want to see what God deems as right, if we want to do what is approved in the eyes of God, then who better to get that from than God the Son? And he gives us some stuff right here. Now, there's a lot of stuff that he gives, but I want to focus in on this one chapter right here and on these few verses that Jesus was teaching and preaching on. Now, and here are those things. These are the things that are deemed right and acceptable. But I say to you who hear. Is anybody in here? that can't hear tonight. I can't do sign language to help you. But I guess all of y'all can hear, right? So you're, this, he's talking to you, and he's talking to me because we can hear. And this is one <clears throat> he starts right out of the gate with. This is what is deemed right by the Lord. This is what is approved in his sight. These things. This is righteousness. Remember, we're talking about the contingency, the condition on way back there on Matthew 6, 33, and, in, 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 and ahead of this in Luke 7. Right? So let's keep it in context. He said, not only seeking first in his kingdom, and, but his righteousness, then all these other things will be added. Love your enemies. Love your enemies. We can stop right here and just stay a while, couldn't we? Because we live in a very divided country and a very divided world and and all people want to do is fuss and fight. But it doesn't just start out on the street in these big demonstrations of the right and the left and, and people on TV that don't talk to one another. They just holler at one another. Nobody listens anymore. Everybody wants to shout. And nobody listens to what you say. We know that. I could talk about that all day, but you know that. 
but it starts in homes. Huh? It starts in homes. It starts with daddies and mamas coming in talking about how they hate the job. They hate the boss. I can't stand that teacher. I can't stand that coach. That's a word. I wish they'd fire that coach. I wish they would get rid of that coach. I wish they would do this. Can't even watch a sporting event without somebody uh, hating on somebody. These little children, they're just hearing it. They're just hearing it. And they're and they learning hate. But Jesus didn't teach that. Listen, uh, those people are not your enemies. They're not your enemies. They are not your enemies. So you ought to be loving them anyway. But Jesus said, not only should you love them, but you need to love those. You need to love your enemies. There's people that don't like you. There's people that don't, that don't want you. There are people that don't like you because of the color of your skin. They don't like you because uh, you are a Christian or a Christ follower. They don't like you because you're from New York City or from Alabama. They don't like you because you're an Alabama fan or an Auburn fan. They don't like you because of the car you drive. They, they don't have a, have a reason, but they do not like it. But there are some people who really, really are out to get you. And Jesus said, you've got to love them. We can just stop right there. If you don't love them, that is not deemed right in the eyes of God. Oh, my goodness. On a Wednesday night, you're preaching that hard. Watch this. He goes a step further. This is Jesus. Jesus don't play. Not only do you love them, but you got to do good to those that hate you. Huh? I remember... I'm a child of the 60s and 70s, and I remember back in the peace movement. Uh, there nobody here that age. And I remember this famous poster. There was a lot of posters and pictures of it, of this man standing with a gun on, on a college campus, soldier, National Guard, and this little, little small little lady about your size and, she just walked up and put a flower in his gun barrel. Does anybody remember that? Y'all just aged yourself. She just put it in there. You know, uh, you, you got to love your enemies. You got to love them. You know what Jesus said? Father, forgive them, you know. He's on the cross. They've done all this stuff to him. Spit on his, pull his beard out, and beat him, and and just humiliated him. He said, "Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're really doing." And he loved. He knew they were going to do that to him, didn't he, Pastor? He knew they were going to do it. But God said in John three, He said, "God loved, and He sent His Son, knowing what they were going to do to Him." So He gave us the example. That is hard to do, guys. Somebody out to get you. Listen, everybody, you know, had that experience. I've shared this before, and I'm going to share it tonight because it won't take a long time. But when Jesus told me that, riding in that car, said, you're going to go through some hard times. I had a great job, just bought a new house, had a new car, and, uh, and you know, was just, I mean, I had a great job. Getting a lot of money, man. I was 
putting money away, saving money up, and doing all these things. Had a company car, company phone, all kind of stuff. I walk in the office one day, and they, they and long story short, for no reason, they never gave me a reason. And I'll tell that later, but they never gave me a reason. They took everything away, cut my salary in half. Anybody here can handle that? If they, you come in today and they cut your salary in half, what would you do? Huh? If you're making $10,000 a year, now you ain't making but five. You're making $50,000, $60,000, $70,000 a year, and then all of a sudden you're making thirty, and you don't have a vehicle to drive. It rung in my ears when they said, when they did that. It rung in my ears. You're going through some tough times, son. You know what my first emotion was? Brother Robert, stand up. I'm just going to show you what my first emotion was. Oh, I love you. I appreciate you cutting my salary, taking my car. I just going to give you a big kiss. Give me your uh, address so I can send you a Christmas card. No, that was not my first. <laughs> I can't tell you. There were some thoughts that come through my mind that got words attached to it. I can't say in church. I didn't say them out loud of where I wanted to put my foot and what I wanted to take my fist and rant, you know, and just knock, you know, this guy was sitting there and, <laughs> oh, Lord. Jesus said that my emotions at that moment, if I had let them go forward, would have canceled everything God wanted to do for me. Because it was not deemed right in his sight. And so the minute the Holy Spirit could, I, I allowed the Holy Spirit to control my flesh. I remembered his word and I said, I got to be right now. It, it was hard, guys. It was very hard. That, that one, you know, I, I, that was my family. That was everything, you know, and and so I just trusted in the Lord. Now, I'm gonna I'm gonna speed this up. So I do that, and it was hard. It was humiliating, and I didn't understand. Nobody ever gave me an excuse. Nobody ever gave me a reason. Just said we're gonna make some changes, and I I I've just. I just had to struggle a lot of days praying the Holy Ghost, going to work because somebody had to take me. I didn't have no car. And then somebody had to pick me up because I didn't have no car. And if I got off at 5 and they got off at 7, I just had to wait two hours because I didn't have no car. And during those two hours, them emotions come back. But then the Holy Spirit said he would come in and I'd allow him. So this went on. And so, and, and you know, my family's struggling. But we're making it. We, and we're learning to be content. And we're learning to have peace. We never missed a meal. We never missed a mortgage payment. We never missed a light bill. We never missed uh, anything. Glory to God. Glory to God. I said glory to God. 
Then one day they came to me and said, we want to uh, give you a promotion. We want to put you in here doing this. And they looked at me and they said, the reason we're going to do this is because we have watched you and your attitude has been phenomenal. And we want to, we want to do this for you. And give me some more money, you know. Give me my keys back. Give me my phone back, you know. And uh, But what I had been doing is they put me in a place where there was a different group of people. I just began to pastor those people that I work with every day. And even the person that was in the room that day, I just began to talk to her. And then I'd talk to the man and counsel with him and pray with him and share with them. That's what, see, you got to do what you, you got it, what you've been called to do, what your purpose is, what your destiny is, what your gift is. You got to do it no matter what. You look at Joseph when he was down in the pit, when he was in the palace, when he's in the prison, he kept being a servant of God. You just got to do it. Now, and so then, rocked on, and they came again. Said, we've got another position we want you to take. Said the same thing. Now, what I told them both times was, this is what I told them both times. I said, what you see is not me. What you see is Jesus. I said, because the day y'all did that to me, I can't tell you what I was thinking, what I wanted to do to you, right? Right? So they did that. So then, so then, you know, I told you I was, I was, I was pastoring at a church. I was on, I wasn't on staff, but I was on staff. And Pastor Frankie, who was here Sunday, called me one day. He said, "I want to have lunch with you." I called Debbie. I said, "Pastor wants to have lunch with." You. She started crying. Didn't you, baby? Because we both knew what he wanted. She started crying. She said, I don't want to go to work there. <laughs> I said, baby, he's going to offer me a job. I knew it. Sat down with him. He offered me a job on staff as a pastoral care pastor there. And, of course, you know, I'm going to take it. It was a cut in pay. Uh, and, but I'm going to take it, right? So I go in. When I took this last promotion, they said, are you going to leave us? I said, I will not leave you unless it's something involved in ministry. So I walked into their office. I said, I got news for you. They said, what? I said, the ministry has called, and I'm leaving. The vice president of the company drove down that day and wanted to meet with me and said, what will it take to get you to stay here? Love your enemies. 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 Do good to them who do bad to you. I pray for them. I pray for them. Oh, sometimes I'd have to spit nails, but I prayed. Love your enemies. You have to, if, if, if Matthew 6, 33, which he promised me that day, he said, I'm going to do that for you again, son. If I had not done what is deemed right in the sight of God, I would, I would not be here today. 
I would not be here today. I'd be somewhere miserable and, and blaming God when all the time it's my fault because I wasn't doing what's right in the eyes of God. I'm not going to be able to get through all these. I'm going to stop right here because I can't. But, but listen, let, let's, let me just read right here. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. Do to one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And expect if you lend to lose from what you expect to receive. What credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners. But verse 35 says this. Love your enemies. He says it again. Do good and lend expecting nothing in return. And your, look at this, your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use it, it will also be measured back to you. Amen. Do what is deemed right. In the eyes of God, however difficult it may seem to you, however hard it may seem to you, however bad. Now listen, for some people in here, that is saying a whole lot because somebody may have abused you. Even as a child, they might have abused you or as a teenager might have abused you. That is a hard thing but I'm not asking it of you. And God is not asking it of you. He's saying, if you'll do this, I can set you free. That's what he's saying. It's not that he's demanding this of you. It's that he wants this from you because your love and your forgiveness will open up the windows of heaven for you will take you out of bondage that you might have been set in by abuse of others, by hatred of others, by things that you may have done your own self. If you will do what is deemed right in the eyes of the Lord, he can set you free. Glory to God. Amen. And he will keep his promise to you. You won't have to worry about anything. You can have peace, contentment, and courage. Whatever you do in life, if you'll be righteousness, that's righteous. That's righteousness. Righteousness is not coming to church every time the door is open. Righteousness is not having your name on, on a church roll. Righteousness 
is doing what is deemed right in the eyes of God. Starting with loving your enemies. Starting with doing good to those who have hurt you. Starting with not judging. Starting with not being angry. Starting with helping the poor. See, another word for righteous is doing what is just. And there's injustice. And when you look at somebody and you say, well, they could get up and go to work. I got, that's, that's, you're missing. You're missing. That's not what he said. Jesus said, give to those who beg from you. Now, those beggars, a lot of them are professional beggars. If you've ever been over to another country, and especially in a third world country, they were born beggars. They beg all their life. That's what they do for a living. Isn't that right? But he said give to them. And so we Americans will walk through and somebody punch say, oh, don't give them nothing. That's what they do for a living. Don't give them nothing. Well, you're just missing out because he said if even those who are begging from you, give to them, and then you want to stand there and judge somebody uh, because you're saying, well, I ain't going to give to them. Let somebody else take care of them. That's not what he said do. You need to change your attitude. You need to change your attitude. You need to do what's deemed right in the eyes of God, even though uh, in your, the way you were raised, somebody don't work, they don't eat. That's not what he said. Now, when, when, when somebody quotes that, about, well, it does say well, you don't work, you don't eat. But he's talking about church members. About church members, he's not talking about unbelievers. He's talking about church members. Oh, I could just go on and on and on and on. 